Welcome everyone to the Daredevil podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is a guy so dedicated to the show that he can make a primo omelet without breaking any eggs. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. Very Christian of you. The Daredevil podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 301, Resurrection, is sponsored by Father Lantham's Underground Fight Club. Beats the Hail Marys when you're beating Maddie. Pete, so glad to be back talking Daredevil. It really was this moment where it was like, wait, the first Daredevil podcast we did was like 2015 and we haven't done this in two years. And I think I remember where all the sound effects go for the podcast. And <laughs> it's it's great to have it's great to have this show back, even though we had everybody back for Defenders. It's great to have this show back. That's just the thing. Like I remarked on our preview, New York Comic Con, um, you know, uh, combo there that we really did get them in 2017 but it's been since april of of 16 since we've had an episode of daredevil feels like a really really long time you're going for our our sound effects me looking for our podcast format and and just the the slightest tweak if you've been following the fantastic geek podcast maybe you're uh, an old listener just dusting this one off as we're getting new content maybe you're somebody who's stuck with us we've adapted the recap a little bit uh so no longer do we sit and go blow by blow we instead uh write a summary of the episode and read that and then we'll we'll discuss obviously the action in the episode so something uh certainly worth mentioning before we kick this one off yeah, what we call the rundown model, it, uh, it it's had good response and uh, I think kind of keeps the conversation going. Also lets us do three episodes a week, which is the goal, uh, get, getting these Daredevil podcasts out three, uh, three times a week so we can get through the season in about a month's time. Uh, all that at the service, Pete, of the listener. Order in the court! One more outburst and I'll hold you in contempt. Let's enter the evidence into the record and give the devil his due. Matt Murdock is in fire and water, barely alive and out a drain pipe. Time passes and his bloody body is picked up by a cabbie who is sent for Father Lantham. That gets Matt under the care of Sister Maggie, who will grudgingly help the son of Jack Murdock. Several weeks later, he awakens, asking for Electra and unable to hear out of his right ear. He also can no longer see. The title card reveals that the episode is written by Eric Olson, the season three showrunner and veteran of shows like Arrow and Unforgettable. The episode is directed by Mark Jobst, who has directed episodes of Luke Cage, Runaways, The Punisher, Black Sails, and more. Back to the story, Father Lantham updates Matt. The nuns have been sworn to secrecy, and the good father is ready to take confession and give the Eucharist. But for Matthew, not today. Sister Maggie is properly introduced as a stringent, strict, capable, and caring sister. Matt's injuries are cataloged, deaf in his right ear, unable to walk, with damage on his spine and cuts all over. But who can she call for him? No one. Cut to Karen, still the enterprising reporter, now visiting Matt's empty apartment. She remembers footage from prior seasons. The flashback footage goes on for some time. Flashback over, Foggy arrives too, having thought that she was moving Matt's stuff out. 
Instead, surprise, she's keeping it warm for Matt, although she's having a tough time carrying two rents. Foggy reiterates that this is for naught. Matt's dead. Back to the undead Matt, Lantham takes him to the musty room under the chapel. It's Matt's new hidey spot, complete with a bed and a buzzer button to have the nuns come a-running. Good news is she's left him with a braille Bible. Matt recounts the story of Job, God's most loyal servant, from whom the Lord took everything. Matt's assessment of Job, Job was a, well, we can't say it on the podcast, can we? Sister Maggie gives him her crucifix, which he promptly rejects. He'd rather die as the devil than live as Matt Murdock. Cut to Marvel's The Omelette Class. It's mealtime for the kingpin, framed small in his cell, though demanding quiet. His lawyer, Ben Donovan, is there with news on the preceding appeal. Getting Vanessa back will be difficult, though. She will be charged as an accessory. Fisk stares at the blank wall. In his sanctuary, Matt Murdock makes his way poorly. Sister Maggie is there, dressed casually, with a hot toddy. She thinks he's a hero, hiding out and feeling bad for himself, unlike those lousy kids in the orphanage trying their best. Later, he takes a neti pot treatment to clear his sinuses, should he use distilled water, Matt, and there's lots of blood and clots and yuck. But he can feel some sounds, can make his way through the sanctuary now. Time for him to heal his body, and Sister Maggie approves. Father Lantham even brings a sparring partner. Sure beats Hail Mary's. Matt is on the mend and reflective. Meanwhile, the city needs protecting, and the black-clad daredevil is back to bust some butts. He wins an early victory, then gets pounded to the ground. He's ready to be beaten, more but the thugs move off. Elsewhere, Ray Nadim is a family man, an affable sandwich maker, a great dad. The only problem is all his credit cards are maxed out. They'll work through it, and even better, his sister-in-law is now cancer-free. This one's for you, Sanvi. Ray has dreams, too, about a pool out back. He's not sure how he'll pay for that either. But back to work he goes, gun-loaded, to the FBI, ready to have his performance review pushed up. Maybe his boss is dragging her feet for racial reasons. She says it's instead his pile of debt. The Bureau doesn't advance people who are recruitment targets. Uh, while he's there, his number is up. He's got to go talk to the guy who doesn't talk. Gee whiz, I hope it's not a guy who will take advantage of Ray. Ray goes to see Fisk. This time, though, Fisk is ready to deal. He wants to protect Vanessa. Objection, Your Honor. He's badgering the witness. Well, what do you want me to give him a testimonial dinner? Who brought the heat into Hell's Kitchen in this episode? Pete, I know who the big dog is going to be, the big bad dog for this season, and we will circle to him shortly. I'd like to propose that acting pro, acting as a protagonist in this episode is Sister Maggie. Do I think she's going to be the big bad? No. Do I think that she's going to take Chitauri weapons and start to mow down the orphans? No. But she is absolutely in opposition, in many ways, uh, in, in opposition of Matt Murdock in this episode. Like... Uh, Marvel head of TV Jeff Loeb is fond of saying they don't have villains, they have antagonists. And here, uh, obviously, uh, in opposition of Matt, love the the tough nun. As somebody who was educated by 
uh, nuns by sisters uh, of St. Josephine in particular, um, I, I just think that there's an edge that uh, Joanne Wally brings here that uh, comes across with the character in the performance in a way that uh, really helps us to both pull away from her and by the end of the episode, embrace that character. Certainly for me as somebody not raised in the Catholic faith, I, she kind of fit, she fit what I would expect out of a Catholic nun character, both, you know, sympathy to a point and some of that, some of that toughness, uh, tough love at times, other times, you know, I wonder if she's just being a, being a nudge to be a nudge. I feel like we had a well-rounded, well-delivered character uh, in terms of her introduction in this episode. Absolutely. And the way that the episode unfolds, the disclosure that she saw Matt's father box, um, the seeming admiration, uh, comics readers know where this is likely going. Um, And yeah, I, I think we we talked in our preview what an absolute coup uh this was as far as casting and uh how often can somebody actually give matt murdoch a run for his money as far as uh toughness pete is a villain in this episode lousy food in the slammer and the inability to just get a nice well-made omelet with simple ingredients well cooked i mean is do we have to go for the for the 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 egg mix out of a carton for an omelet can't you just make a nice darn omelet for people in prison pardon me for just a second quiet i'm sorry i I guess that worked Um, yeah, I, I love, there were two things in this episode. I think we need to reflect on, on seasons past and the introduction of Fisk was a very clear homage to that. Um, and to see where the, the, the King is now and, and how sad and lonely and desperate he's become. And we don't normally think of Wilson Fisk as someone who's desperate. Um, and we know of all the manipulation to come. We'd seen a couple clips at, uh, New York comic con. Uh, we got two of them in this episode, principally, um, the deal at the end that Fisk is ready to strike and the introduction of, of Matt and, um, sister Maggie. But, yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio is a is a method genius, and even what he does with his face when he's not saying lines, um, the the expression or even the lack of expression, just the skin hanging off of his skeleton, helps you feel this character come across the TV. You think of a character like he played in Jurassic World, and it's it's difficult to imagine those two characters side by side. Such is the acting prowess here where, as you're saying, Pete, all he has to do is just sit there and 
because he's a method guy. You know, he's probably feeling all these feelings. And though he's not saying, oh, let me move my face this way. Let me twist my eyebrow that way. There's just something internal that is being communicated through his face, across the camera, through the TV screen, into our hearts, that is acting with a capital A. If he needs to find a, a painful memory from his past and turn that into a sound to create the growling voice of Fisk, do we even want to know what he has to do in order to get these acting moments I, I, I don't think I want to. <laughs> Indeed, and that's a story he did not tell or he didn't get into that, that level of detail at New York Comic Con. And I'm kind of glad why. Whatever it is that he taps into to, to bring Fisk out of him, he can, he can leave that portion of the, the method untold. Your Honor, may I approach the May I approach the bench? It's time to step aside and approach the bench to discuss some off-the-record theories. You be the judge. All right, Pete. Crazy theory here. Follow me, if you can, through my, like, weirdo web of, like, you know, on the cork board <laughs> with the yarn and whatnot. Okay. Ray Nadim. Okay. Family man. He makes a nice sandwich. Cares for not just his immediate family, for the sister-in-law. This one's for you, Sanvi. Wants to put a pool out back, but money troubles, susceptible to manipulation. Wait a minute, Pete. Most manipulative guy in Daredevil, Wilson Fisk. <gasps> Can we anticipate that Ray Nadim is going to have the, the, the devil on one shoulder and the other devil on the other shoulder? I think it was entirely uh, telecast that that punch is coming. Um, as you and I talked briefly off mic beforehand, would have been nice if there was the slightest bit of subtlety headed into that instead of the over the top. You are in debt. Oh, and now we're going to send you to a guy who has a ridiculous history of corruption. Um. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the 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 finger wag here to Eric Olson uh, in what is otherwise a great little nugget of Ray Nadim's story, like the fact that the fact that this episode was able to, I feel, very very effectively stop all other elements of the narrative, introduce this new guy, do so in a way that feels very very organic, um, and to spell out all these things very, very quickly in a really, really honest and sympathetic way, uh, even down to, you know, Pete, the different colors of the visas, you know, the red, the blue, the orange, the taupe, you know, et cetera. They're all maxed Lugo, out. You left out the silver MasterCard. Well, there you go. Okay. Um, Clearly, the Nadims have not received the tantalizing offers like I have with my BB-8 uh, visa. Um, and you know, they're in the Disney family. So missed opportunity, you know, could have had a, a beauty and the beast MasterCard mentioned in there might've broken some of the tension of this, you know, look at what this guy has done. He has paid for the medical treatment, uh, for his sister-in-law. Think about that. An in-law, uh, no less that he's bailing out. And the poor guy has suffered 
uh, debt as a result of it. And he's had his reviews monkeyed with by uh, a superior. And now you send him to the world's worst detail. Presumably, oh, he's going to go and get uh, yelled at and and then, you know, uh, have to come back tail between his legs. No info there. But instead, now he's on the other end of uh, a proffer from Fisk for a deal to to turn informant to do something. We know, of course, to get Vanessa back into the States uh, away from the long arm of the law. Uh, you can't help but feel for this guy. But yeah, the the finger wagging here for all the good that Eric Olson does in this episode and with what I've seen so far of season three, you know what? Fantastic Geek keeps it real and we got to point this out. Yeah, and it's just that contrast between how on the mark it was contrasted with this great all this great story stuff i would be interested to hear from any law enforcement members out there law enforcement listeners etc you know it's like i'm how realistic this is and i'm certainly sympathetic to you know uh an organization that's about law enforcement and security you know you need to keep an eye out for people on the inside who might you know be flipped or might be untrustworthy whatever it might be and i like the kind of the episode really does spell out hey this is not a, a race or religion thing this is like this i mean it's your they mentioned his credit score and things like that i would just be interested to know how realistic this is i'm not calling it out as unrealistic I, it was just something i had never considered before that that susceptibility which i agree kind of from a top down security view is is a concern i'm just curious if this type of thing goes on yeah um i i really do think it's a real thing um and the the corruptibility of uh, fbi or other type of law enforcement is something that un unfortunately has to be under the microscope even though sometimes it's the people above them they're a little bit more corruptible Oh my. Pete, here is a theory question for you. Um, is it simply a case that uh, that uh, after a couple more neti pot treatments, Daredevil will be back at full strength, full radar strength, full Ninjago strength? We've seen some gross things in the Marvel Netflix shows. That was pretty over the top. Um, where <laughs> that did was a lot of blood, a lot of clot, a lot of yeah, stuff. where did it all come from and what happened after it is, is what I have to wonder. You know, what dam was was released inside his uh, sinus cavity with with that? Um, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see any more of that. I don't know if I can watch any more of that. Um, certainly not on the level of some of the more violent things we've had, but just pretty gross. Um, Matt, I touched before on the homage with the introduction of Fisk with the, the cooking there, uh, smash to, oh, this is a jail omelet, not, you know, the, the finest omelet, my, uh, seventh Avenue penthouse chef or myself might, uh, consume, how about the introduction of Karen in Matt's vacant apartment 
and a flashback scene between he and Karen. Was that used? I'm sorry, unused footage from before, or did they film that for this season? I was a little confused because I was watching it saying, I don't particularly remember this scene, but I also felt like if it was a flashback, it went on. If it was prior footage that already appeared in the show, it was going on too long. And then just kind of narratively, like, are you shoehorning them together by way of a flashback, which is okay. I mean, that's how flashbacks work, but are you shoehorning them together when you don't need to? Um, it just felt a little kind of narratively strange to me. I'll, I'll accept that. I, I just don't know what to make of it. There were pieces, the, the part where he shows her the helmet we had definitely seen before. Who's to say that they didn't pull a back to the future too. And Hey, Marty, something's gotta be done about your kids. And you too, other actress who will also have kids with Marty. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't detect anything definitively. I guess I'll have to go back and look at them side by side. But uh, it, it felt of the stuff of we didn't use all of this. So let's let's use it uh, a little bit later. One for you, Matt. Uh, is Matt Murdock trying to get the sense knocked back into him? Pete, I think there's a degree of that. I think also, I think there's just a good old fashioned Catholic guilt angle there that he's going to go out and do some good by busting up the baddies. And if that results in him getting busted up more or him paying the ultimate price and, and ending it as Daredevil rather than living as Matt Murdock, that sort of thing. I think it's all kind of in the, the Freudian stew there. So suicide by crook? Um, I think that that's not his intention, but that's also not off the table for him. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Special Agent Ray Nadim, Matt, I think was easily the most interesting part of the episode anytime you introduce a new character but with this really juicy backstory here's a a man of the law a clearly good man who has gone into debt for extended family um that he's written these checks i thought it interesting that he shows his son how to skim the sandwiches and stretch it a little further um, is there something more we're supposed to take from that? Um, I didn't read it as such. I kind of just read that more as it, it's father. It, I, narratively, it's an opportunity for father son time. And is it also doubling duty in terms of, you know, m- making what you have stretch a little bit farther? Sure. But at this stage, I didn't read into it too greatly. So we shouldn't look for a late season uh, college basketball point shaving storyline involving Special Agent Nadim. Nor should we look for a storyline where he opens um, an anonymous uh, submarine grinder sandwich uh, store that promises footlongs, but instead they're about ten and a half inches. Um, and that, of course, a duplicitous attempt to uh, save on your expensive bread costs. Um, I think that that also is not going to happen this season. 
Well, Matt, you know where you always get your money's worth is at patreon.com slash fantastic geek when you contribute to our family of podcasts. Absolutely, Pete. Luckily, the the, the podcast, not quite as uh, as threadbare as the Nadim situation there, but uh, definitely support always appreciated, you know, kind of like like the FBI. It's all one big team. We're all working together, uh, except Pete. We, of course, don't give each other bad performance reviews because we're always tippity tops. And that's made possible from our patrons. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. There's all sorts of levels to contribute out past that one that might even get you a lovingly made fresh omelet behind bars. So thanks again to everybody who makes this possible. We've been using our enhanced senses to monitor the frequencies. Here's what you had to say. Pete, first tweet comes from our pal at DJ underscore black, B-L-A-K-3-5-7. That's AKA Frank Castle. And he says the first ep was great. So deep in dialogue without a punch thrown and a nun with whiskey. Absolutely. The, the hot toddies there, I think masking that uh sister maggie is all about just just riding that line between heaven and hell as a nun uh no no a lot of priests and uh, uh sisters to take a drink and you know what nothing wrong with it as long as they're not doing anything worse and you know what, Pete? That's a scene where, correct me if I'm wrong, she she does not have the, and pardon me for not having the the proper verbiage here, but she doesn't have the the head cover on. She kind of looks like she's in her. You're her, referring uh, to the habit. Yes, she doesn't have the habit on. A little, but she feeding down. another habit, Matt. Did you see what they did there? They took one out and they substituted another. I see, Pete. Uh, we have another tweet from our pal Henry David. That's at Fun Lord Henry. Uh, he said in response to our tweet talking about us getting ready to podcast the season. Looking forward to it, but I won't be catching the new season or podcast till December for break, so I can focus on school, enjoy it properly, then get into Runaways before my final semester begins. Uh, and Pete, as you mentioned, you. You don't need to listen to the podcast the day it drops. You can catch us when you're ready for it. Absolutely. I mean, perish the thought that your school schedule would preclude you from uh, Marvel Netflix until later on. But you know what? We live in an on-demand world now. So maybe you're like my father-in-law who just this week discovered Marvel Netflix and is probably developing a uh, urinary tract infection as we speak, given that in the last like 48 hours, he's watched like the first two seasons of Daredevil, calls me last night at nine o'clock. Okay, what time does the third season come on? Oh, 3 a.m. Okay, I just set my watch. Wow, that is dedication. And um, uh, Pete, hopefully you directed him towards a, uh, a thoughtful, intelligent, reflectful podcast that could help him understand, analyze, and theorize everything that he's seeing. I don't know. It's it's become discussion off mic. Does uh, 
do people with podcasts drive family members to the podcast? God friend me, uh, kind of bringing some of that discussion out over on uh, that podcast feed. I did not. Well, yeah, Pete, I've said it before. I'll say it again. You need to have that that secret identity with your family. I mean, think how <laughs> difficult it was for Matt Murdock to tell to tell Karen Page that he was the daredevil, as we saw re saw in this episode. You know, I, 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 I'm with him. I'm with you. Sometimes you got to keep keep the the cowl and veil across your face. It's true, all of it. As the season unfolds, Pete, we would love to continue to hear from people. Uh, as I said before, we're going to be doing two, three episodes a week. So uh, as you watch them, feel free to share your uh, share your thoughts about the particular episodes. Pete, how can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. 10,107 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH all one word. Like it today. Like it right away. We are going to be continuing with uh, the schedule that we've had for a lot of this uh, Marvel Netflix stuff. Uh, Sundays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So, Pete, this is Friday. Next episode is Sunday, and we'll take things from there. We'll be off to the races as we uh, as we dive deep in Daredevil Season 3. So, like I said, make sure you hit us up. Tell us what you think. Um, we will, of course, moderate the discussion coming in based on the uh, episode that we're doing at the time. So don't, uh, don't think we don't see it or don't want to get to it just might not be appropriate for the episode we're talking about at the time. Well, Pete, certainly looking forward to, uh, to breaking down this season. Also have to mention, uh, that on the pop culture podcast feed, we we continue to podcast God friended me. And, uh, as we get deeper into, uh, into this fall season, some other geeky stuff along the way, as always, uh, including some Star Trek discovery early next month, which before you know, it is going to be in a couple weeks. Those and, short uh, treks, man, already got one up, ready to go. All our New York comic con coverage as well. Absolutely. Including the daredevil panels. I'm sure many of you have, uh, have listened to us discuss. So with that, Pete. I'm going to say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Hell's Kitchen takes care of its own. 